0: For 30 years, our Lord Jesus Christ lived in obscurity in a quiet place called Nazareth. I've been there, it's like an upside down cereal bowl. There's hardly any flat ground in Nazareth. Nonetheless, this is where our Savior grew up for 30 years, basically in anonymity. Quietly, he was a son there, a half brother there, a carpenter, apprentice with his daddy. And it was at a certain wedding that he performed his very first miracle. And this miracle began to open the eyes of those around him to his exceptionalities and his supernatural abilities. And to see the details reported in God's word of this miracle, I invite your attention to John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of God. And on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the wedding. And When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when men have drunk freely, than that which is poorer, but you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. There are five headings with which we want to look at this miracle this morning. I'll give you the headings, and then we'll expand upon each. Number one, the setting of the miracle. Number two, the story of the miracle. Number three, the secret of the miracle, number four, the significance of the miracle, and five, the symbolism of the miracle. So let's take them, as I say, one by one, first starting with the setting of the miracle. When you see the setting explained a little bit in a moment, you'll see that what the main point of the setting, this particular setting of this particular miracle, is approval. Approval. And clearly the Lord Jesus approved lifelong heterosexual marriage. He made the choice to personally attend that wedding. Our Lord approved marriage by simply attending the wedding. By the way, when you and I attend weddings, we are saying publicly and visually that we agree with the couple getting married, that they ought to get married is based upon the Bible. What the Bible says about marriage, that is what, when we go to a wedding, we are saying we agree with them getting married. We stand behind them getting married because the biblical wedding, a biblical marriage that's going to follow that wedding. I know a pastor whose born again sister intended to marry an unsaved fiance. And she went to her pastor brother and explained what the situation was. She really loved him. She really would hope that the brother, the pastor, and his family would come to the wedding. And The pastor brother pointed out in Scripture we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, and therefore it wasn't God's idea that she would marry an unsaved husband and that we couldn't go to the wedding in light of that. The pastor said, I can't go to the wedding because I'd be lending my support and endorsement to what God does not endorse. And he didn't go. His sister got married, and he did not go. Tough, hard, not easy, but necessary, And so it turns out for all of us <laughs> that a wedding involves a whole lot more than getting a new dress and eating a fine meal and dancing the night away. Jesus approved marriage in general, and we know that because he went to a certain wedding. Verses 1 and 2. And on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the wedding. Now, we move from the setting, approval, of this miracle to the story. What is the story of the miracle? When, if approval was the point of the setting, then separation is the point of the story of this miracle. And there were two kinds of separation going on in this miracle account. First, there was a the separation of the Lord from his mother And second, there was a separation of the Lord Jesus from all of the other invited wedding guests who were there that day. There are four scriptural records of Jesus dealing with his mother in scripture. Number one, we hear about how he dealt with his mom surrounding Jesus staying at the temple to be about his father's business. That's in Luke 2, 41 to 52. Number two, we learn about Jesus' dealings with his mom surrounding his spiritual family being closer to him than was his natural family. We read about that in Mark 3, 31 to 35. Third, we learn about Jesus' relationship with his mother surrounding arranging care for his mother while he was dying on the cross. John 19, 26 and 27. And fourth, we learn about Jesus' interaction with his mom Here in our text before us today, surrounding the solving of a problem of a wedding party running out of wine, John 2, verses 1 through 11. Now, it's hard for us to believe that back then there was actually law that forbid a host and hostess of a wedding running out of wine. (laughs) And actually, if that embarrassing thing happened, that the guests at the wedding could actually sue the host and hostess for running out of wine. Was that a little much of an over-focus on wine? Well, maybe. But you have to understand that drinking water in those pots, the ceremonial cleansing pots of water, you couldn't drink it basically or you'd get sick. Parasites and germs and dirt and what have you was in the typical water. So the way that they could drink water was to take wine and to mix it 20% wine and 80% normal water, and the 20% wine made the otherwise poor water drinkable so you wouldn't get sick. So really it wasn't an overfocus on wine at the wedding, but it was rather a necessary focus on wine to purify the bad water so that people could drink something when it was hot. And so there was a legal thing going on at that wedding when they ran out of wine and Jesus' mom came to him and said they ran out of wine. There was a legal matter to be mindful of, but there was also the embarrassment factor. I mean, how could you possibly plan for a wedding reception and not have enough wine? There was embarrassment that the host and hostess had run out of wine at the wedding. Verse 3, and when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. She said it with urgency. She said it with uh, concern. (laughs) They've run out of wine. And really, when she said those words, those four little words, "They, they have no wine, she was saying a whole lot more than just those four words. And mark it down that Jesus' response to his mother, 15 words, was saying a whole lot more, a whole bunch more than the 15 words that he said to his mom. Verse 4. And Jesus said to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. At this point of Jesus' life, at the first miracle he did at Cana of Galilee at the wedding reception, he was 30 years old. 30 years old and he did his first miracle. Uh, So 17 years previous, 17 years younger, the preteen Jesus stayed back at the temple without his parents' knowledge to be about his father's business. So 17 years prior to this miracle, he was 13 years old. He stayed at the temple with his parents not knowing, and he got scolded. Then fast forward from that event at age 13 to this event in making the water into wine at age 30, And so, when Mary asked Jesus to solve the legal and embarrassment problems of no wine, she was appealing clearly to her adult son, a grown man, no longer her little boy, no longer even her adolescent boy. And to her credit, she had faith in her special son. She knew where he came from, he came from heaven. She was a medical virgin when she was given Jesus Christ to carry in her womb. She knew he was supernatural. She knew that he was the Messiah. So she had faith that he could solve a problem at a wedding, a legal problem and an embarrassment problem. And also to Mary's credit, she believed that her firstborn miracle could do a miracle. No problem. But, (laughs) however... Whatever she might have expected that he would do, it did not include what he said to her. Verse 4. And Jesus said to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. Jesus said, woman, rather than mother. And in so doing, he wasn't being disrespectful That word was not a disrespectful word at that time, but he was being decisive. He was being decisive with her. He was intentionally cutting the apron strings they shared with one another. And Jesus, at that moment in his public ministry, at his first miracle, he was reframing his loving relationship with his mother, such that they would still love each other, of course, but in different ways with different understandings, and with different priorities. How so? From that point forward, his home base would no longer be their nuclear family and business in Nazareth. His first response after this would no longer be to Mary, but instead to those who sought him out as rabbi. His time no longer would be mostly spent with his half-siblings, Instead, the majority of his time going forward would be shared with his disciples. His help would no longer have a first focus on his natural family, but going forward from this wedding, his first focus would be on persons beyond his natural family, persons who needed his teaching and his healing and his example, and supremely persons who needed his saving work, shedding of his blood on the cross for sinners, But the stage for his life became so much bigger immediately after that wedding and that wedding miracle. Life was never, ever the same for Mary or for Jesus. And after the water turned into wine, his business was going to be not the carpentry business of his family, but doing of his heavenly Father's business which was to prove him to be God, and then for him to die sacrificially and voluntarily to pay for a world full of sinners' sins. So after this miracle, you can know that he walked away from Nazareth, and you can know that he walked away from the family business in the will of his heavenly Father. And so right after the water was turned to wine, Jesus relationship with his mom turned a page, and it was a new and a different dynamic between them. Mary could no longer tell him what to do. He would tell Mary what to do, and it was a shift from mommy's boy to mother's Lord. And so in the first place, by addressing his mother in a new way, Jesus separated himself from her in a healthy way, in a necessary way. But there was a second separation in the account of this first miracle. And the second separation that happened at that wedding was Jesus separated himself from all of the other wedding guests. Utterly unique, utterly superior, supernatural. Well, all the other wedding guests were natural. Jesus separated himself from the mere mortals who were guests at that wedding reception, Because only the Lord Jesus could make fine wine out of iffy water. All the humans there that occasion were helpless when it came to a wineless wedding. But Jesus, God in the flesh, was the sole hero that day. He and only he rescued the reception. The miracle revealed, of course, that Jesus was not just head and shoulders better than all of the other wedding guests. It revealed that Jesus was supernatural, omnipotent, creator, God. I mean, it's one thing to be a consumer of wine, and it's quite a different thing to be a creator of wine. And of course, it's still the same today. The Lord Jesus separates himself from all others who are human. Jesus Christ separates himself from all others. I mean, he's the only way to heaven. He has no sin. He needs him, no savior for himself. He deserves worship. He answers prayer. He sets himself from all apart from all other humans. His blood atones for sin. Properly he prays, but equally properly others pray to him. His name has the power to deliver sinners, to heal diseases, and to defeat demons. He is the only leader of all the world religions who predicted and then who participated in a bodily resurrection from the dead. Jesus is separate from all other mere mortals who have ever lived, who ever will live. Jesus is the only one who has made the return trip from heaven to earth, back to heaven. Only one. Oh, yes. Jesus is clearly separated from all the rest of humanity. And Jesus is superior to all the rest of humanity. And as the cream rises to the top of the milk, The Lord Jesus always rises above even the most impressive human beings, the most impressive politicians, the most impressive scientists, the most impressive astronauts, the most impressive philanthropic people. Jesus rises above all of them, inventors, doctors, Pulitzer Prize winners, Nobel Peace Prize winners. Jesus rises above them all. And so in this Miracle Jesus separated himself from his mom, and Jesus separated himself from all the other wedding guests, and and so the key word under this second section of the story is separation. And so we come after seeing the setting is approval, the story is separation. We come to the third heading, the secret of the miracle. There was a secret in this miracle that we ought not to miss. And the secret of the miracle was that it involved creation and a creator, and specifically the creation of fermented grape juice out of water. It was really, really impressive that Jesus created fine wine out of poor water. And it wasn't that the Lord sped up the grape juices fermenting. That isn't what happened. No, our Lord created fermented grape juice, wine. And in a moment, Jesus created something very good entirely without any grapes or sunshine or time. That's what a creator can do. And it seemed like, it seemed like the end product of the miracle was a mix of excellent quality grapes and time, but that isn't what happened. The miracle of wine and the product of the miracle wine was actually only seconds or minutes old, but it tasted like it was months or perhaps even years old. And so we ought not to miss it that the wedding reception was a place and a time when Jesus Christ created something brand new with apparent age. Now, that miracle wedding wine that was only maybe seconds old rivaled and even surpassed fine vintage wine that was in process for years. The wine steward couldn't believe that the best wine was being served last because the custom was that the poor quality wine was usually served last. And so the secret of this miracle was that it involved creation and creation by the Creator God. It took Jesus Christ being God the Creator to do it. And no less than Jesus Christ being God the Creator could have done what Jesus did. So what have we seen by way of review? The setting of the miracle was approval. The story of the miracle was separation And the secret of the miracle was creation. So let's move on to the significance of the miracle. What is the significance? And the significance of the miracle was glory, revealed glory, undeniable glory, Jesus' glory. His glory, not as a good man. His glory, not as a good teacher. His glory not as a fine example, but Jesus' glory as God, as Lord, as Messiah. One thing I love about this first miracle was that it was rather understated. It pulled back the curtain on Jesus' glory as God but it did so in a non-showy way. I mean, number one, we don't even know the bride and the groom's name. Scripture doesn't tell us. Number two, just a few butlers, hired hands, domestic help, witnessed the process of the miracle. The wedding guests only got in on the product of the miracle. Number three, the wedding was not In the capital of Jerusalem, the wedding was in this obscure and unremarkable little town of Cana, of Galilee. That would be more like Cat Island than government house here in Nassau. And for Jesus drew no attention to himself. When he decided he was going to solve the legal and the embarrassment problem and make wine out of water, he didn't say, May I have your attention, please? Come outside to the courtyard and watch me. No, he didn't do that at all. And so the water-to-wine miracle was rather understated. I love that. It may have been understated, but it was also understood. Because the miracle revealed Jesus to be glorious God. Verse 11. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. It may have been understated miracle, but his followers believed in him as God, believed in him as Messiah, believed in him as the rabbi from heaven. It may have been understated, but it was understood. And this Glory that the miracle revealed was the glory of God's attribute as creator. Jesus is the creator. He is God. And so to review the setting of the miracle is approval. The story of the miracle is separation. The secret of the miracle is creation. And the significance of the miracle is glory. Now let's go to the symbolism of the miracle. The symbolism of the miracle is illustration. Illustration. I should point out that it was not, and it still is not, the symbolism of this miracle, which was or which is the main point. The symbolism of this miracle is not the main point of this miracle. The symbolism of this miracle is a part of this miracle, but the symbolism of this miracle is not even the biggest part of this miracle. The biggest part of this miracle was to reveal the glory of God in the person of Christ. But there was some symbolism involved. The symbolism, which again is not the point of the miracle, but a part of the miracle, things like wine in Scripture is a symbol of joy. Psalm 104, verse 15 is one reference. Water changed to wine, therefore, is a symbol of Christ bringing joy to the believer. Psalm 16, verse 11 Water changed to wine maybe a symbol which previewed that Jesus would fulfill all of Judaism and all of its law. Mark 2, verse 22. And Mary's wonderful words, the words of any true disciple follower of Jesus, Mary's wonderful words to the stewards of the wine, whatever he says to you, do it. By the way, you can never go wrong doing what Jesus tells you to do. And what Jesus tells you to do is found in in the Word of God. Not a feeling. Not a friend's opinion. What Jesus wants you to do is found in the Word of God. And we can never go wrong doing what Jesus wants us to do. And so Mary, his mother, said in that crisis over wine, whatever he says to you, do it. And so, it's safe to say that these symbols I've raced through illustrate some Christian life truths. And Jesus' first miracle of turning water into wine has been our focus in these minutes. Again, the miracle setting is approval of all heterosexual lifelong human marriage. The miracle story is the separation of Jesus Christ from his mother and from all others. The miracle secret was creation. God was Proven to be Jesus, and Jesus was proven to be God, the creator. The miracle's significance was glory, God's glory, Jesus' glory revealed for all to see. And the miracle's symbolism was illustration of certain Christian life truths. You know, Jesus Christ made wonderful, delicious, unparalleled wine out of iffy water, water you couldn't even drink. Jesus Christ makes wonderful persons, new and recreated persons out of sinners like all of us. Dr. Nels Silverthorne was a Jewish leading pediatrician who practiced out of the world-famous Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. He happened to be... My pediatrician, my parents, took me to Dr. Silverthorne. There was a time in Dr. Silverthorne's life when he was iffy to drink water, although brilliant in medicine. Jewish, arrogant, immoral, materially greedy. He would put his patients through his office checkups like a conveyor belt. No time for them just to build, just to build, just to build. He was a greedy man, and he was brash. He had a lake house north of Toronto, and he had a sports car, and he would phone the police on a Friday afternoon and said, I'm going as fast as I can to my cottage in Muskoka. Catch me if you can. I'm driving a red sports car. The nurses with whom Dr. Silverthorne worked really hated him. his working, he womanized. He treated them with disrespect. But Jesus Christ got a hold of iffy water, Dr. Nels Silverthorne, and saved him, changed him, transformed him into, metaphorically speaking, fine wine. Miraculously and totally transformed, humble where he was proud, kind where he was mercenary, Time for people, when you went to see Dr. Silberthorn and I remember this even though I was a little child, when you'd sit in his waiting room, you'd sit there for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, maybe two hours after your appointed time. Why? Because every family that he doctored the child, he took them into his office adjacent to the examination room and he shared the gospel with them. He told them about Jesus. And how Jesus had changed him completely. And how they could know him as Savior. Totally new man. Like I remember being in his waiting room, even as a boy, and seeing a, a black ink dot drawing of Jesus. But you couldn't make it out unless your eye saw it. It just looked like a pattern of dots until you saw it. But when you saw it was the face of Jesus in the art, you never missed seeing Jesus again in the painting. He had a testimony, even in his waiting room. He prayed with parents over their sick children in his study. He called himself a completed Jew in Christ. Jesus did a miracle in Dr. Nell's Silverthorne's heart and life and marriage and medical practice. and Jesus Christ is still capable of doing miracles in our lives. Miracles in the most difficult person you think of when I say a difficult person you know. A person who rejects Jesus, laughs at Jesus, mocks the church. Jesus Christ is capable of making fine wine, metaphorically, out of such uh, iffy drinking water. Jesus is still doing that today. And do you know what? On the 46th anniversary of Bahamian independence, thank you, Deanthea and team, for decorating us today. It's beautiful. On the 46th anniversary of the independence of the Commonwealth of the Bahamas, the only hope for the nation is Jesus Christ. The only hope of government, the only hope of education, the only hope of finance, the only hope is Jesus Christ for the Bahamas. The only hope for the family, the only hope for troubled youth, the only hope for unemployment, the only hope for the Bahamas is Jesus Christ. And we know him. We're new wine. He's made us new creations in Christ. Behold, any man is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, new things have come. And as his mother said, I relay it to you and me. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it without delay, with not partial obedience, do it, do it. And one of the things that Jesus left us with as a command, not a suggestion, not something to do if you're not uh, otherwise occupied, was to make disciples of all the nations. And we could start with make disciples of Bahamians. The first step in making a disciple is to see Jesus Christ save them. And if we're not going to share the gospel with persons who need salvation in Christ, who will? The world won't. The academics won't. The financiers won't. If we will not tell the lost about Christ, who will? The angels won't. It's our job. And so we've seen today a marvelous first miracle of Jesus that had a setting, approval of human marriage, had a story, the separation of Jesus from his mother and others, had a secret, that of creation, Jesus' as creator, had significance, it showed the glory of God in Christ, and it had symbolism, it illustrates Christian life truths. And on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called... The bridegroom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first. And when the men have drunk freely, then that which is poorer. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your divinity. We thank you for your ability to transform lives like ours into trophies of your grace metaphorically into fine wine when we were once iffy polluted water. Help us, Lord, not to hoard, to keep to ourselves the power of God in Christ, the message of the gospel, for, Lord, we are the only ones commissioned and expected to share the gospel. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.